Hey, welcome to the Way Podcast. I'm Zaire Gitfan, co-founder and head of marketing at Keymakers Media. And I'm Varun Parimala, co-founder and CEO at Koyot. And we are your hosts for the Way Podcast. A show that aims to elevate voices that are interesting and meaningful come together to create value. Creating maximum impact through minimal conversations. But before we get started, here's a word from our sponsor. StuMax VIP is a student privilege feature where students will get an opportunity to directly connect to various industry mentors and also avail exclusive discounts for various courses, both technical and non-technical. Sign up today to get free access to a technical course, 12 webinars and direct connect with the best mentors. Let's get started with our show. Earlier, just as a name, slogan, sign, symbol or design defined a brand. Brands have become a little bit more complex today, but even more important to the new age marketing. It's a perception that a consumer has when they hear or think of your company, name, service or product. To talk about branding and a lot more about networking, in today's time, uh, we have a wonderful guest with us on the show. He is an engineer, environmentalist and an entrepreneur whose career ranges from NASA to electrical utilities to clean energy startups in US. A Forbes 30 under 30 winner and he is Sirdak Saha. Thanks for joining on this episode, Sirdak. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I'm doing quite well. How about you guys? Uh, we are doing fine. I mean, I think I'm here to have dinner. Uh-huh. Anyways, uh, before we get uh, started, Tirudak, uh, why don't we start, you know, with a, with a little bit of introduction about yourself and things that you pursue? Sure. Yeah, uh, I'll just give a brief... Uh, I, th- I think that was a lovely introduction. Thank, thanks, Varun. Uh, yeah. But um, just to give you guys a little bit of a high-level overview... Um, I was obviously born and brought up in Delhi, in India. Um, I started my undergraduate education in Manipal University and then uh, I decided to transfer uh, uh, abroad to the United States. Um, So I transferred over to Drexel University. Uh, While at Drexel, I got the wonderful opportunity. um, uh, One of my papers uh, was picked up. Uh, by a professor, and he was uh, the liaison between uh, NASA's Pennsylvania Space Grant Commission and, uh, you know, the university circuit in uh, Pennsylvania. So he picked me up for uh, a project um, um, based on my paper, which was basically on how to apply origami folding mathematics uh, to uh, solar panels, so we can fold them and make them smaller for uh, deployment on smaller satellites, which were called CubeSats. Um, that project kind of took off, and then I got offered another project uh, uh, by the same organization, um, and then um, I, uh, <laughs> I found out that uh, basically uh, uh, space systems sector in, in the United States doesn't really hire internationals, uh, so I decided to focus mo- on more earthly matters. Uh, so I uh, turned my attention to the electric grid, which was a problem that um, you know I wanted to focus on for, for a very long time. Um, uh, I, I got to work, uh, I was picked up to lead the grid modernization initiative uh, at American Electric Power, uh, which is uh, you know one of the nation's largest utilities um, spread out across nine plus states. Um, so yeah, uh, while there I worked on creating a you know, 10-year grid modernization roadmap. Um, and then after that, I kind of um, came across a problem in the clean fuel uh, space, um, the renewable energy subsector, which was uh, hydrogen. 
and uh, I, I I met with a, a friend uh, who then later became my co-founder, and we, we figured out that we had some sort of a solution to that, and it would be foolish not to try to deploy that in the market. So we kind of uh, quit our jobs and uh, started our, our first startup venture called Trollysis. Uh We ran that for about two years. Um, uh, it was uh, pretty much a, a good enough run for us. Uh, um, I guess we were a little too early for the market and times changed quite quickly after the elections in the, in the US. Um, policies changed and uh, basically uh, we got acquired uh, and uh, you know um, then I came, came back home to concentrate on, on uh, I thought it was about time to come back to my family and you know the, the overall plan for me in my career had always been to go abroad learn a few things and then bring those back home and, and do something in India and I thought well you know I can't keep putting that off so I just decided to come back home um, and now I'm currently uh, building my new venture I had been working as as a you know a, a strategic uh, strategic uh, capacity uh, strategy consultant as uh, for GTMs and, and startups um, I was uh, recently employed by a Sequoia-backed uh, SaaS startup uh, called Ashton. Um, I uh, just moved on from that recently, uh, and I'm concentrating on uh, building up my next venture. Uh, so, yeah, that's a pretty high-level overview. Uh, just out of curiosity, Tirthak, how old are you? I just turned 28, I think, <laughs> this year. Yeah. No, that, that's a lot for an engineer who's 28 because like, I, you know, obviously I, I talk to a lot of engineers and they're just like, yeah, you know, I'm doing this, I'm working in a company, but this is like quite a lot to even. I mean, you have 24 hours, uh, seven days in a week, <laughs> you have 365 days in a year. I think that's quite a lot of time to get shit done. So, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I mean, that's that's a valid question, Zarek, um, but... Uh, I, I do personally believe that there's enough time in the world for you to get things done if you really want to. Uh, it's a question of motivation and, and discipline. But, yeah. It makes sense. Uh, like, I really don't get a lot of people who complain about time. Uh, anyways, uh, speaking of time, how do you, you know, spending your time in the pandemic? A lot of people are struggling with it. Oh, I mean, so I'm, I'm, uh, as opposed to what uh, my internet persona would would have you uh, feel, uh, I'm, I'm quite an introvert. I love staying indoors and, and working on my stuff. Uh, so this has actually been a blessing in disguise. No, not even in disguise for me. So you know, now I don't have to give excuses to not go to parties. Uh, so I can. Uh, I, I've been, I've been reading a lot, uh, which is uh, basically a habit that I had from my early years um, and I kind of had to drop it in the middle when I was taking care of my company because you know how it is uh, running a startup I, Varun you're a founder as well so you know how that goes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um, you know it's like one fire after another so you don't really get a lot of time for personal growth and development um, but yeah I've, I've been using this time to kind of um, increase my skills you know and keep myself up to date with what's going on in the industry um, what's going on in the world of entrepreneurship and so on and so forth uh, as as well as, uh, like I said, you know, I have been working on uh, an idea for my next venture, so uh, that that also takes up quite a bit of my time. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's an opportunity. It's a, everything is either an opportunity or, or a problem, right? Like it, it depends on your perspective and what you make of it. So, that's a really productive way to spend time. So, Tidak, uh, as we discussed, we are going to talk about branding and networking in this episode. So, uh, let's get started with the basics, like. Uh, 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 what what does a brand mean to you and uh, how are brands created? 
so uh, you know it's 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 not a very black and white question right um i i've i've thought about this question before as well um obviously i i created brands of my own um whether under the umbrella of of a larger corporation like i did with the grid modernization program at at aep or uh, with my own startup that i started from ground up um i i honestly i abide by said gordon's uh, definition uh, you know uh, on 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 what exactly is is a brand uh, and it's basically you know it's it's literally how much extra people will pay <clears throat> for your product uh, as compared to your competitors that's 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 literally that's the, that's the metric you want to uh, kind of look for when you're looking for what your brand value is so you know i i, I would happily pay uh, 5 or 10 rupees more for a coke uh, rather than a generic soda because that's the kind of expectation i have from their brand that no matter where i am in the world no matter what i'm doing i when i buy a coke it will be of a certain quality consistency and and it will meet my expectations you know the expectation that i have from a coke product so so that's the brand value that coke has and it and it can charge 10 rupees extra or whatever that's, that's just a hypothesis but 10 rupees extra for rather than its competitors which are generic soda brands so that that 10 rupees it is is its brand value right now so uh, you know you 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 can extrapolate that to any other brands that that you guys personally love and you, you can you can judge that there are brands that you would happily spend a little bit more than you know equally good products from competitors because they deliver a set of expectations consistently so that's that's what branding is to me uh so so uh, so that that totally adds up what a brand means but like uh, uh like talking about uh, uh talking about like how people uh, understand a brand or you know like uh, uh, so how, what do you think uh, determines a brand or you know uh, who who determines a brand or uh, what what uh, what are those things that uh, need for someone to become a brand or for some company to become a brand so there's multiple questions in there and all of them have different answers so let's let's take them one by one um yeah <clears throat> the the first is you know who determines uh if you're a brand right and the answer to yeah. that is very simple it's it's the customer um this is one of the things uh, about building a business that you don't really have control over the outcome right you can, you you can follow a set of guidelines and you can do your best uh, according to those guidelines but at the end of the day it is the consumer's uh, mental uh, model of your company that determines if you are a brand and how successful uh, uh, at that are you um so you know it it is a set of expectations basically uh, um and and memories stories and relationships that a customer has with your product or service so essentially there's as you can tell there's there's four different metrics that you have to build upon the expectations right which is basically um, you know uh, your offering and how well you can convey the key offering that your brand has now whether that's through advertising whether that's through um, uh, you know personal uh, outreach to your customers whether that's through uh, community engagements uh, what have you um, the expectations have to be set from the end of the company um, and 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 uh, uh, the expectations have to be created uh, through through you know the 
communication to the customer from the company right and if you're not very clear and concise in your communication then what happens is that the expectation that a customer has of your product might not match the the reality when they interact with your product right and there's a framework to to uh, that you can judge uh, this by um, which is basically if the customer reality uh, meets the customer expectation then you get zero points because you know you don't get brownie points for doing what you were supposed to do <laughs> so you get zero points uh, if the customer experience in reality exceeds the customer expectations then you get one point right but if the customer expectations falls below your customer uh, 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 expectation then you get negative 10 points because that's just how it works right uh, you know, uh, it takes a lot for a brand to build back trust uh, with a customer and and it this is called brand equity so expectations is is related to brand equity and you have to build that over time you have to be consistent in that and then once you've acquired enough karma points uh, you can you can make one or two slip ups and then still be in the game just like nestle did with maggie right uh, maggie was so entrenched in the national consciousness as a good product as as a tasty product as the go to product Nestle was such a household name uh, that even when they kind of effed up with with the whole Maggie debacle, uh, they they kind of you know everyone trusted them to make it right. Um, you know what I'm saying? So uh, yeah. So that's what that yeah that's what expectations does, right? And then the next one is memories uh, and, and and stories and relationships, right? Taken together, basically they they account for a consumer's decision to choose one product or service over another, right? So these expectations, memories, stories, and relationships, uh, you know. If you think about a brand from your childhood, if you if you remember those like early day Cadbury commercials, um, I mean you guys are. I think about almost like 10, uh, 8, 10 years younger uh, than me. But, um, you know, from I, I remember from my childhood, uh, there were a lot of very iconic ads, right? Like from Fevicol, from, from Cadbury. And when I look at a Cadbury product or, or uh, a Fevicol product, I kind of associate, like those memories come back to me, right? So if you create those, yeah, if you create those like customer uh, points in the, in the customer's journey, where that point becomes a memory, then you've succeeded in creating a brand, right? Uh, if, if, if you can foster a relationship with the customer, uh, like if you can offer something to the customer in a time of great need, then you create a brand. Um, so it's, it's, it's all of this taken together. Uh, it's an amalgamous blob uh, of expectations, memories and relationships uh, and, and there's many, you know, if you want to talk about concrete ways of doing this, then yeah, there are obviously, uh, you know, um, there's theories on, on how to run ads, on how to uh, find your voice uh, in, in marketing copy, uh, in how to make marketing copy more, more effective, uh, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's, it's literally an exchange, right? Um, you want someone's money and in turn, you're giving them something. But seldom do we find that people pay for just the product, right? They pay for the for the problem that your product is solving. So they pay for the solution. So the solution is not always just technical. It's not always just mathematical. It's if a person feels that their problem has been solved, right? 
I might come and 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 uh, if your bed is broken, I might come and fix your bed, right? But if someone comes and fixes your bed and gives you a free mattress with that, you might think that that's a better solution. That that's actually the solution to the problem, which is you couldn't sleep well. Right. Yeah. The problem wasn't that you had a broken bed. The problem was that you couldn't sleep well, and you needed a solution to that. So, to really understand the customer's problem and to offer a, an comprehensive solution to that, it, that I think that that goes a long way towards creating trust, which in turn goes towards creating memories and relationships, and you know, obviously, expectations from the brand. And if you keep meeting those expectations consistently, then you have a brand on your hands. That's interesting, but on on its top uh, top level branding uh, is all about loyalty, like repeat purchases and fans who advertise you for free. So, do you think brands rule our lives? So, okay. So, uh, the way I uh, am perceiving this question is okay. Let's take a step back, right? Um, yeah. What does rule our lives, right? At the end of the day, uh, let's forget about branding, right? Let's talk about on a more human context, right? What do you think? Uh, uh, is the major component of your life right i would hypothetically characterize it into two things right one is your work uh, and one is your your personal life your professional and your personal right in your yeah. personal you have relationships with human beings right and uh, at your work you have basically a relationship with a body of of knowledge that you are either advancing or you're learning from right um yeah in in both these in in the personal aspect I, I, if if i had to tell you to pick one right most people would pick one or the other of, of out of these two right these are the major things that that define a person's uh like how a person spends their 24 hours in a day so if you define a brand as something that enables you to do one of these two things then yes the answer is that i wouldn't i wouldn't characterize it as ruling uh because i i i don't think that if a brand tries to take over a, a person's life then they would be successful it is only when a brand enables a person to do one of these two things that occupy their 24 hours successfully and comfortably and conveniently then they become an integral part of the person's day and in that case i guess is what you were trying to ask when you said ruling a person's life yeah they become yeah. an integral part of a person's life but they would have to do one of these two things that makes it actually it's a very uh, interesting perspective to bring because when you generally ask people the you know question along the lines of do you think certain xx brand or company rules us it's always yeah in a certain way but the perspective that you brought in the way you broke it down uh, it's it's something that i've heard for the first time the way it was in depth uh but while we you know are on the topic of loyalty uh what is what i am at, uh, at least personally observing is that a lot of brands are trying to build their own communities which is like top tier loyalty right you want to get all your brand advocates together engage and stuff uh so since this is a growing uh, trend uh how wh- what do you think a brand uh, an established brand needs to focus on when they are trying to build their own community 
Well, I think only you know, off the top of my head, honesty and integrity is 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 by far the most important thing, right? Like, um, I rem- I don't remember the company, but I do see it's still stuck in my head. It was from my childhood. Uh, they ran this huge newspaper ad. Um, it might have been Philips. I don't re- exactly remember. Or Onida, I, I don't remember. Uh, but uh, it was this large, like half a page ad that just had the words, "We want your money." In return, we give you the best uh, radio ever, something like that, right? The best TV or the radio ever, and that's it, right? Like it, it's just about honest communication, and that stood out because other brands, uh, the the ad language of that time was basically, you know, not focusing on the price or the cost to the consumer, etc., etc., etc. But that's like an everyone realizes that I have to pay X amount of money to get this service or product. So I think what the best brands in the world do uh, is they maintain a very honest and uh, integrity-infused line of communication with their customers. And uh, I I also do believe that when you're trying to build a community, one of the most important parts to remember is that you can't make everyone happy all the time, right? The point of community building is not to appease everyone and anyone who comes your way. The point of community building is to find the key demographic of your product and relate to them and do things that they can relate to, right? So, uh, you know, if there's a if there's a polarizing political issue going on in the United States, and uh, let's say a shoe brand comes out with an ad that polarizes the nation down the middle. It's because they have done. It's not because they're, they're, they're they you know they fervently believe in in that thing in that issue uh, or, or one side of that issue. It's because they've done a key research in the key demographic groups and they found out yeah. that a majority of them you know believe in that side of the issue and they came out in favor of that. So I think communities are built when everyone in the community you know, has a a shared uh, um, beliefs system and and they can identify that a certain brand is following honestly and and with integrity, it is following that ideal, that that, uh, framework, right? You cannot make a community of, uh, let's say, uh, hardcore left-wingers and hardcore right-wingers all at the same time. Right, you have to choose yeah. one. For example, right. Um, so, so I think that's that's an integral part of community building. Is you have to realize early on who your target customers, who your target demographic is, and then build your brand accordingly. Your community makes sense because, like, uh, you know, one of the ways you can look at a brand is uh, I think this was in the second episode we were recording with a person named King Siddharth. The way he defined a brand was brand is basically the promise you're making to your potential customers or your customers. And it goes hand in hand with the whole integrity part. And one of the main things when it comes to, you know, making a promise to your customers or your audience is, is the, is the way you deliver the message and what message you're delivering, right? Because that's seen as a promise. Now, because of this whole COVID situation, I have seen so many brands pivot from their messaging. Uh, you know, everybody's focusing on uh, things that they, like, it doesn't even make sense. I don't remember which company, but... You know, they were, they were promoting uh, safety, masks, something. It isn't even relevant to them. But they still want to promote the messaging. They're somehow connecting safety to their brand. So what I wanted to ask was, how do you think th- the brand messaging will change after a pandemic? Do you think it's strong enough to, you know, 
change the brand messaging for like the next five six years yes and no um let's cover the no first i i i think that if you have a strong brand um again the messaging should be about your core set of beliefs right like situations come and go but your core set of beliefs should not change right like so for example yeah if, if i believe in in i don't know uh, let's let's pick something for example if i believe in socialism right uh yeah. and and you associate me with being a socialist right so whether it's uh, the 2008 financial crisis or whether it's the 2019-20 covid pandemic right if i'm running a company of let's say uh, you know a, a clothing brand right i would in in both situations i would make sure that i'm donating clothes to to shelters or or to you know unemployed people so as you can see like the specific situations may change but the underlying message is still the same right we we believe in whatever like quote unquote you know uh, good for all right? i'm just using a hy- hypothetical example right um um patagonia for example uh, would 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 believe in in um you know environmental sustainable practices and so on and so forth so um no matter if if trump pulls out of the paris accord or or uh, you know uh, there's a, a mu moecc uh, you know uh, act that's going on in our country right now uh, or whatever happens their their brand messaging should stay the same that you know we are with our community of uh, people who would want sustainable practices in business so messaging and situations are pretty different uh, just because the situation is different doesn't mean the messaging has to change so that's the no part but coming back to the yes part um i think something that this pandemic definitely has changed is it should change uh, is companies have to consistently can reevaluate how they're doing business and and what their offering is right if their offering doesn't make sense in these times it is time to change the business model or the 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 offering itself and when that does keep your brand values the same but mold your messaging to that new offering and show them how you as a brand are still the same old brand but you are providing that same of that same brand consistency for a new product right so again the messaging about the product may change the messaging about the brand identity should not does that make sense yeah it does so yeah, so, yeah. yeah. so for example if if you know if if nestle's uh brand identity uh, brand value is that you know you get consistent reliable cheap quality food i don't know what their you know brand messaging is i'm just hypothesizing right here right uh, if that is their brand messaging and they were selling uh, maggi based on that before uh, now their business model might change to home delivery of maggi right uh, they might uh, they might come out with a uh, uh, um, uh, you know a uh, immunity booster version of horlicks i don't know right but they might come up with new products and though the messaging around the products might have to be relevant to the times that we are living in but the the core brand value is still the same right it's still the same old nestle i'm buying from nestle still because nestle is nestle 
and they have a set of promises that they have delivered on repeatedly and i identify with the brand value so that's kind of what i'm going for like the, it's yes and no but for different things uh already started like uh, i think we've spoken about uh, branding quite a lot for now uh the second thing we wanted to move on was networking right and uh, one thing you've mentioned about is the important importance of non linear networking quote unquote could you elaborate on that yeah it's uh, i couldn't find a better term so <laughs> pardon me but uh, what i mean by non linear networking is is networking is often seen as uh, a very transactive in nature right it's very linear in nature like i go to person x yeah. right uh, it's it's a relationship between person x and person y right um and and that's how you'll find uh, most networking uh, events are held how they're designed right um you get breakout sessions and you get put into little groups uh, of like-minded people and then you network right um yeah what i mean by non linear networking is uh, you know uh, it has two core aspects is that if it is non linear then by definition you are meeting people who might or might not fall within uh, your target group of beneficiaries or or beneficiaries right so for what i mean by that is um, so for example jerek i don't know you right at all right? yeah we we're, we're talking for the first time right uh yeah If, if i were to actually analyze uh like if i'm being brutally honest right if i'm actually analyzing you on paper like if i ask you for a resume and i give you my resume right there might be very little overlap right if if an if an algorithm was to uh, kind of uh, uh, see if we are good enough to network or good enough to talk to each other the answer would probably be a no right uh yeah I, I, but that's linear networking now my version of networking which i really believe that people should do is that you should go ahead and and i know time is limited and you should prioritize but there are other metrics that you should look out for it shouldn't just be a one to one transactive nature like let's say i'm looking for a job i'm not just going to go and and uh, talk to people who are giving out jobs i'm also going to talk to people who are also looking for jobs because oftentimes they might have information that the job provider would not be willing to give me but a job seeker who has heard something from somewhere might be more empathetic to my situation and give that piece of information to me right so uh, if you spread out your metrics uh, if you spread out your networking and not making make it very pointed and linear then you have a higher chance of success i mean isn't that the the basis of networking in the first place which i think people seem to forget networking is is you know works on on the power of exponentials right uh, if i meet two people they yeah. tell me about two other people and that's how your network grows um but often times you know we kind of narrow that down to like okay i am a job seeker there is a job provider i need to go find them right? so uh, that's that's part one and part two of that would be um uh, no expectation networking right and and <laughs> this is this one is counterintuitive and it's very hard to do i'll admit it myself <clears throat> but see basically think of your network you know they you know that that saying that they always kind of put out in instagram posts with like fancy pictures in the background your network is your net worth um i'm sure you guys have come across it as well um 
what does that actually mean right like if, yeah yeah if you if you're actually talking about your network as your net worth then why are you not treating it as such right if, what is your net worth it is your financial portfolio correct hello right yeah so what do you do with the financial yeah, portfolio hello. you you invest in it Uh, in the in the in the initial stages right you invest in your financial portfolio right and you understand the risks you might make an investment which may never pay out which may actually turn into a loss right but you take educated guesses and you take educated bets on the market and you start building your financial portfolio right in in stocks and investments right so these the first stage has to be investments you have to put it out there you can't expect returns immediately right and then you have to nurture that relationship right you can't just go and invest in a stock and then not keep yourself abreast of the company's developments uh, the company's progress the company's slip ups right you have to stay on top of the market right and to do that you have to nurture a, a relationship with that company right you have to know everything about that company if you have invested in it so the next stage is nurturing those relationships and again you might not get anything in this but when the returns start coming in then they are exponential right and that's what it means when they say your network is your net worth you have to treat it as your financial portfolio and apply the same best practices you would with your money to the people in your network right the right network will will be like you know blue chip you know ever increasing dividend stocks <laughs> so so uh, you know be willing to invest give the relationship first and in earnest don't have expectations right uh just give whatever little you can uh you know often times when when i was your age and i was reaching out to uh, connections on linkedin i would basically you know let's say i found someone who i found impressive for whatever reason right they may never be of use in my life uh, let's say i found some guy who works uh, as a as a scientist right i would go up and and read up some of their papers that i can find on the internet right and i would um, you know compile a list of uh, uh, suggestions or questions or whatever right and uh, uh, there there have been times when um, if i wanted to connect with an entrepreneur i would go onto their company's website and i would just like read through all the pages in their website and try to find any kind of like copy writing error or like you know anything that's out of place or just do a quick review of their website and then just drop them a message hey i'm a big fan of your work uh, uh you know i'm just reaching out because I, i i love your product i love your services i love your company xyz i was just going over your website and you know i found that these there's these copy errors uh, you know not trying to be an ass but uh, just trying to help out here right you just gave you just invested a small amount of money that took maybe what an hour of your day you invested an hour of your time into that relationship right and then that starts and then you keep an eye on on that person and what they're doing and send them regular uh, you know messages like hey i just saw that your company just you know um, tied up with uh, abc company uh, that's that's great you know you guys are doing really great work i just wanted to kind of congratulate you on that and that's it right leave it there let it mature <laughs> and ultimately if you invest in 100 stocks maybe 98 will fail but two will pay out dividends so large that you'll make up your losses and then you'll be in 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 the green right so so that's kind of what i mean by treating your your uh, network non linearly as well as non expectationally right you have to in, invest in it yeah. like uh, it's your net worth like it's your financial portfolio so
Yeah, and that makes sense, right? Especially with the whole the whole uh, thing about what happens is that often a lot of people they get so targeting so targeted in the networking that they end up with the people extremely similar to them to the extent that they end up in an echo chamber that there's nothing more than that, right? Uh, and yeah i mean think about it right like if you're facing a certain problem in life right if you go to people who are exactly the same as you then they would also be facing the same problem in your life exactly so you kind of want to meet people from the other side of the horizon to exchange perceptions yeah how would you find the solution if you're meeting people exactly like you they, they would have exactly the same problems I, I've, yeah, I've actually seen coaching centers uh, talk about uh, right. uh, coaching centers, universities, and schools. I've, I've seen them talk about networking like this, and it, I cringe in, internally. You know, when they, uh, it's it's a sore point for me. So yeah, no, a lot of these coaching centers they also don't treat it right. You know, they almost treat it with such a, you know, that you network and now you know you need to suck out that person. Like that's not how it works, man. You have to give value. You have to nurture it with time, and then. You guys grow together. Uh, so I think uh, we're going to start with the next segment of the podcast now. I think Varun's going to get with it. Yeah. So so I have a last question, Tirtak. Uh, like uh, you said, you are an introvert, right? Like so, uh, how do you think uh, an introvert gets started with networking? Or <laughs> you have to suck it up, man. <laughs> there's there's no way around it. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest, right? Like. Uh, you know, I said I was an introvert, but I am an in in my full capacity. I am an introvert who has learned how to succeed in a world that rewards extrovertism. Right? Um, it's uh, right. You have to make it a science, right? Like you have to. It's just like anything, right? It's like doing chores. Like you might not like doing all of the chores that you're assigned to in your house, but like you still have to do them, and you have to find ways to kind of like you know make yourself do it like people motivate themselves it is different for everyone right like people motivate themselves using using different metrics so i can't really tell you what your north star should be but you know find a north star uh, and 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 make sure that you're aligning all your goals according to that right so like let's say if you're out of a job and uh, your north star shouldn't be getting a job your north star should be after you've gotten a job what are you going to do with your salary is it to take care of your family your children yourself whatever right like it could be anything for anyone so uh, find a very strong motivating north star and then just you know suck it up and do it i mean you just got, there's no way around it. you just got to do the work yeah i think i agree with that i mean there are a lot of things that you you know you come across in life which might not be you know they, which might not connect to your core nature but you kind of just have to deal with it yeah yeah i also like you know there are a lot of in, introverts who don't need to be extroverts right like they they have different north stars which do not require them to be extroverts right um, for example if there's a brilliant scientist who uh, is is let's say is working in a multinational firm right he can just stay in his lab and and just like churn out patent after patent and he never has to do the press briefings or he never has to do the media relations or the investor relations right um yeah. there's other people in the company to do that for them right so in that case it's fine and then they have a different north star their north star is to do their life's best work in in scientific uh, advancement and they can do that without having to be extroverts but you know the the career path that i chose for myself uh, the path that i saw the most value in i had to be if i'm a founder of a company i have to be the first salesman of the company i have to be the person to manage investor relations media relations what what have you and if i don't do that successfully then my company dies along with my inability to do so and uh, so does everyone else depending on me so if that that's a strong enough motivational factor for me to kind of you know again suck it up and do it <laughs> so 
all right uh Tirthak, we're moving uh to the next segment which is uh which is less about you know work and stuff and it's more about you as a person before we get there let's take a step step back right in the beginning you mentioned about the whole you know you have 24 hours in a day 365 days in a year it's a lot of time you know get done with your stuff so the thing is i don't see a lot of people having this attitude i mean i know fair amount of people who do but not a lot do so what was uh you know when you were growing up or whatever uh what was the thing which got or uh like basically how did you grow that attitude is what i want to know uh the the attitude that there's enough time to do things mm, more of uh growth mindset is what i would tell him well okay so i i mean i've i've mentioned this in in other interviews and other places as well so it's it's no secret but i don't really i didn't really come from a very uh, financially well off background right um and i saw the kind of uh, hard work like literal blood sweat and tears that my parents have put into kind of put me on a path where i i could be successful so uh, you know i i look at them and i see them you know toiling away 24 hours a day and and not having that amount of of the amount of success that they deserve they honestly deserve right and uh, i kind of tried to i i wondered about why that is and it's it's more than just like putting in the effort it has to be a lot of very targeted effort and you have to keep up with you know what the world around you values uh, at at this present moment so you know even though for example like uh, i i i like at my core i love the arts you know literature um, arts uh, uh, you know the the that side of the world um and i really really wanted to go towards that end and you know become a writer but um i i kind of moved towards uh, engineering because uh, i realized that i also have a you know passion for physics and right now uh, engineering is something that is 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 a skill that is valued by the world around us right um so so you really have to again you know define your key KPIs your key performance indicators your your north stars you know you have to define what you really want to do and what is the shortest route to doing that right i mean the shortest route to doing that may still be a long route but uh, you, you, there's still a, a short way of doing things and a long way of doing things um so you find the short way and then you know you you once you start like getting into doing that you you can't stop right because you design it in such a way that one thing leads into another and and it just sort of flows right so it's it's less of me having to motivate myself every day rather than you know me motivating myself to get the ball rolling and then you know one event after another happens if all goes well and then i get to the goal that i wanted to you know achieve so <clears throat> for example uh, this is something i do uh, every year i kind of set out uh, a yearly goal that is kind of like uh, very scary it's it's uh, i i pick like a large unreasonable goal um and i work backwards right i i set out 12 steps 
to do that, but in reverse. So I look at the goal, let's say, <clears throat> for example, I'll just pick up a hypothetical example again. Let's say my goal is to have a million dollars by the end of the year, right? Um, and I'm starting with zero, right? So the what is the step that must come immediately before me getting a million dollars, right? And uh, a safe bet would be to say, uh, I have to have, let's say, $500,000 that and and a growth mechanism that is doubling my investment every month right and then you walk it backwards and you come to month zero and you break it up into 12 steps and then you break every each one of the 12 steps into four additional steps and then each of those four additional steps into uh, you know seven micro steps and so now you have just one micro thing that you need to do every day. And if all goes well, if you've planned well, then you get to your goal. So all you need to do is get up in the morning and just motivate yourself to do that one micro thing today. And the first thing that you might want to do today to get started on this journey is to just open up LinkedIn.com and reach out to a financial advisor and say hey would you be willing to help me on this so on and so forth and this goes back to networking right so uh, it's just micro steps like i just have to send one dm today on on linkedin that's nothing and if i can like double that every day and i can get to like uh one million dollars at the end of 365 days then uh, you don't really need to motivate yourself every day you know it's 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 a very planned process so Utilize your time well. Utilize it smartly uh, is is one thing I would say. And once you start doing that, you automatically get into a habit of just doing things um, on kind of an auto mode. Um, and, and you don't really have to actively pursue a growth mindset. I don't even know what a growth mindset is. Uh, it's, it's basically, you know, uh, I, I think, I don't know where did I read it, but it's basically... Uh, looking for opportunities uh looking for solutions instead of complaining stuff like that it's it's a very uh cliche entrepreneur thing that goes thrown around yeah but 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 okay if you think about it i don't think there's anyone in the world right who doesn't want opportunities or isn't looking to better their life situation there's no one sitting there and saying i want a worse living situation right the people who complain instead of doing something about it are just people who who don't have steps to follow they don't have a playbook. So that's what I'm saying. All you need to do is sit down and create that playbook, right? And you just have to do that once. And again, uh, if you are talking about people who can't even sit down once and and, and develop that playbook, then I, I don't know what to tell you, right? Like, then you got to suck it up and do it. Uh, then I, I would say in that scenario, like, your North Star or the end goal that you're working towards is not really that meaningful to you. You know, I, I, I can't imagine there's one person in, in right. the universe yeah. who I say that, hey, if you don't do these seven things in seven days, I'll kill you, right? They're not going to sit around their asses and complain. So the motivation to survive is, is very strong. So they'll get it done, right? And again, like I'll, I'll use an example, right? Like, for example, right? Uh, <clears throat> let's say, Varun, I invite you over to my house for dinner tonight, right? Uh and you come and tell me, yeah, uh, like there's there's a lot of work. I like I need to clean the house. I need to do laundry, etc. Right? 
it's not that you want to do laundry or clean your house it's just that you are valuing that more than having dinner with me but what happens if i just suddenly suggest hey varun if you come to my house for dinner i'll give you 100000 right your your motivation welcome rushing yeah your motivation change because you value that outcome more than the outcome that you were doing that doesn't mean that you don't value a clean house it's just that you value $100000 in your mental framework more than you value cleaning your house so <clears throat> it's it's if if there's someone sitting there and complaining uh and and not taking steps to attain a certain certain goal i think it's time for them to reevaluate if that goal is indeed what they are actually motivated to be working towards right right that's that's a quite interesting way to put it tita also tita we have a uh, we have a question that we ask all our guests who come on the show so if you get a chance to reconsider any of any one decision that you have made in your life what would that be and why oof uh that's a big one i've <laughs> made a lot of mistakes <laughs> um just one big mistake okay so uh, since since you guys are both kind of like you know sort of in entrepreneurship i'll i'll, I'll talk about this one so <clears throat> you know uh, when i started trolisis which is my first venture um i kind of like overnight dropped my job at ap i mean not overnight i thought about it for a few months uh, and and then i dropped it but still i i still don't think i was at the right juncture financially to drop it off and take a risk as big as trolisis uh i did it because my risk tolerance was quite high at that point of time i didn't have uh familial obligations i didn't have uh, you know uh, responsibilities as such um i was younger at that point of time so a, a lot of things worked towards me getting, you know just jumping off overnight and and trying this uh, venture but i think uh, you know this is so you'll see in the vc world this is one of the this is one of the complaints i have with with the vc culture that i see today you'll often hear vcs reprimanding entrepreneurs for not leaving their jobs and concentrating on their startup full time right like it's a very shallow way of thinking that doesn't represent the ground reality of a majority of people who want to start uh, getting into entrepreneurship right they may be 30% with enough savings uh, with enough uh, family backing financially speaking or you know that kind of thing like i mean honestly if there's a 21 year old kid who has a great idea uh, but comes from a bad you know financial background do you really think they're going to have either the savings or the family backing to quit whatever job they're holding down they're not no. and then and then when, yeah and then when they so it's 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 going to, i understand where these vcs are coming from on paper it sounds nice and it makes sense on paper but in you know the ground reality is that that's a very privileged thing to say that is a very privileged thing to say right and that does not yeah. is it's not representative of the ground reality for about 70% of entrepreneurs who want to get into the market with no connections no prior connections no family backing no financial security right so <clears throat> I, I, it, it's it's a long journey and you need to be well equipped to support yourself and your your family for that and uh, you know if i ever get into investing 
obviously that is something i would like to see that they're you know putting in 110% of their efforts into the startup that they want to build but i wouldn't hold it against them if they are also you know engaged in a job that is paying for their bills i mean it, it's a case by case basis right you can't like apply a blanket rule to all entrepreneurs so yeah so that's kind of one thing that i would i would probably not do um you know like i'm starting a new venture now um i have savings i i i know i can get by uh, for about a years worth of personal runway two years worth of personal runway whatever it is right um i would ideally suggest young entrepreneurs to find a way to kind of save up for, to have at least at least six months worth of runway even if you're like damn sure that you can raise investment right because the ground reality is that even if i go out today and i find someone i call someone call an investor and they say yo your idea is amazing right i really want to invest even then right the due diligence part takes about 2 to 3 months the signing of all legalities all formalities that takes 2 to 3 months to for the money to arrive in your bank and i mean on average right like there yeah, there might be processes that are faster but in like let's be real right like the ground reality is that the average yeah. time for money to be in your bank from an investor saying yes is about 2 to 3 months so you know you have to have at least double of that like on the last day the investor might back off and then you'll have to repeat the 2 to 3 month process again so at least have 6 months worth of financial backing uh before you decide to jump off and that too if you are absolutely sure of the idea otherwise i would suggest to kind of like either find a way to have like a years worth of savings uh be frugal obviously be frugal don't be uh, you know ex- extravagant with your spending Yeah. bootstrapping is great i am a big fan of bootstrapping but be be realistic about about uh, you know your finances because often times you know you think your idea is the best in the world and even though you might think so you have to remember that other people might not think so and if other people don't think so you're not getting money no i think that's a great advice because uh, you see like a lot of people they just throw around advices left and right and a lot has to do with you know you have to go get it uh, and be aggressive and people forget to be realistic in that sense and they end up making decisions with just backfire them harm their business or whatever sorry just to add on to that right uh, <clears throat> to any young entrepreneurs listening in right if i gave you a million dollars to invest right and two entrepreneurs came to you one with zero years of experience and one with one years of experience in in a corporate firm who do you think you're going to give the money to experience any day it doesn't matter where the experience is coming from right like if you you have to be in that industry you have to be in the belly of the beast to understand the problem that you're trying to solve right i spent 2 years leading a modernization pro- uh, program for a large utility before i was thoroughly convinced that there is a problem there is a gap in the hydrogen market and then i had the data and the experience to back it up when i talked to investors right i might have come across this problem even at the start of the two years and i i knew about this problem then also but i i wouldn't have gotten funding if i was there like it it proves to investors that you know you've seen the problem from inside you faced the problem yourself and now you know how to solve it so that that goes a long way towards building investor confidence as well so you know if you're killing two birds with one stone why not um all right there's a to the guys listening please keep this one in mind uh but on on this note we are going to come to an end uh 
great having a conversation with you uh tirthak i hope you enjoyed the episode and uh you know giving out value to yeah i did i did i really did i had a great time chatting with you guys uh again thanks for having me on board uh it's always a pleasure talking to you hope you guys liked the conversation we had with tirthak uh if you guys want to get in touch with him and talk about branding networking entrepreneurship even social impact or sustainability you guys can get in touch with him on his instagram which goes tirthak.saha he has a similar mail id on gmail tirthak.saha@gmail.com and you guys can connect with him on his linkedin which is tirthak.saha uh he's also working on a venture of his own so you guys can you know follow him on his instagram and keep supporting him from there he's posting updates and that was all for today's episode of the wave with zari karma stay tuned and check out our instagram tawae podcast to connect with us and the guests you can read the key insights of the podcast on modam.in modam.in is a youth lifestyle blog that every generation team person should be reading new episodes out every saturday on spotify or wherever you get your podcast keep listening to the wave